Grace, peace, and mercy be with you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, I don't normally do a children's sermon or a message at the 8.30 service because most of the kids come to the 10.45 service, but since we have so many kids here today, which is wonderful, let me ask you a question. Kids, give me the name of one king that you can think of. Okay, who? A kid, Leo. I asked the kids this question. No, I, I, know, I know you like to think you're a kid. I know you're a kid at heart, Leo. But I'll get to you later. All right. Okay, kids back there. What was that again? Okay, King David. Very good. Uh, let's see. Any more kings you can think of? You know, they could be modern kings. Who? Very good. Very good. King Solomon. How about a queen? Can you think of a queen? A little harder. It doesn't have to be a biblical queen. It doesn't have to be a queen out of the Bible. It could be a queen today. A Cleopatra. Very good. All right. You guys are good. Okay, I can tell that uh, you've got some, some knowledge of some of the kings of Israel. That's good. Just remember this, Okay. <clears throat> Jesus is descended from those kings, just like you're descended from your mom and dad and your grandfather and grandmother, yeah? You know, Jesus didn't just drop out of the sky from heaven. I mean, he did come to earth that way, but he's also, because he's also a man, he descended from people, from kings. So, keep your ears out for more on that. <clears throat> because you need a king. I need a king. We all need a king, and we might not think so. We Americans don't like kings in the royal sense, do we? The movie The Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood. Kids don't watch that movie until you're like 20, 21. It's a violent western the Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood, you know, the, that movie sums it up pretty well about how we think about kings and queens, right? There's a scene aboard a, an old train, a steam locomotive, and, uh, where English Bob, played by Richard Harris, argues with a fellow passenger, you know, this gruff frontiersman about American politics. And this is a Western, so we're talking 1880s American politics, right? And English Bob says... I say this country should select a king, even a queen, instead of a president. One isn't so quick to shoot a king or a queen, the uh, majesty of royalties. And the gruff frontiersman replies, Maybe you don't wish to give offense, sir, but you're giving it pretty thick. This country don't need no queens whatsoever, I reckon. And that might be the way we feel about government today, but before God Almighty Himself, you and I need a king, God's kind of human king, not our kind. We don't need the world's kind of king because they can be incredibly self-centered and violent, can't they? I mean, you think, you think of kings throughout history and what comes to mind? Wars, bloodshed, yeah? You know, just in the previous century, 
Man, look at all the potentates and autocrats and all the trouble they caused. All the suffering and death they brought onto their people. Idi Amin, Mao, Duvalier, Pinochet, Castro, not to mention the really big despots from World War II. Now, these kinds of kings are not righteous in God's way of righteousness. And in some cases, the people came to their senses and rebelled, and there was revolution. But in other cases, so goes the king, so go the people. The root of the problem is sin, self-serving sin. It's about power, getting it and keeping it at all costs. It's about being able to safely live and live comfortably in the palace while everyone else lives in fear and danger. It's about wearing uniforms with all kinds of bling and medals while the people wear rags. It's about feasting on roast turkey and rich foods served on silver platters every night while the people eat moldy scraps. Worldly kings don't really care about their people or their people's plight. They're only interested in feathering their own nest. What's often the result from this? Well, we heard it in the readings. The people scatter. They escape if they can, or die trying. Without a good and gracious shepherd type of king, the sheep disperse and wander. And you know, much of the Bible is about this. And I dare say it's the part we don't like to read very much, because we're just not into kings and queens, right? So when you're plowing through the Old Testament Chapter after chapter, book after book about the kings of Israel and the queens, man, it just gets, you can get really bogged down in it. Now, some of us have a fascination with the royal family of England, you know, I mean, I've known a few, right, in my life, but, you know, you have to be a real ancient history nerd to be into the kings and queens of Israel. Yet the object of our faith, Jesus Christ, is a king who descended from many kings of Israel. The part of the Bible we don't read as much functions as a visual aid for what happens without God's kind of human king. See, when God set up the kings of Israel, they were to be good shepherds who would gather the people and lead them in the ways of the Lord. All right, now for you adults, Leo, you included, Now, we had the kids give us, we already heard David and Solomon. Adults, give us, give me one name of a king of Israel. Okay, we already had David from one of the youngsters back there. Okay, well, uh, you're kind of spoiler spoiler alert here. Yeah. Uh, give me one of the kings that came before Jesus. Okay, Leo knows one, Hezekiah. Yeah, you know, there are so many, but man, they just, they don't pop into our minds very often, do they? Okay, another one, Saul, very good. Yeah, you're, you guys are on a roll, give me one more. Okay, we, <laughs> we heard him already. Uh 
Jehoiakim is another one. All right, you heard God's expectations for these kings from Jeremiah a moment ago in the reading. Basically, do justice and righteousness, kings. Do that. But a bad shepherd king does the opposite, right? They mislead their people into all kinds of sin. The bad kings serve only themselves and make others serve them. They lead people away from God and His ways of justice and righteousness. The worst thing they do, and a few of these kings did this, the worst thing is they must lead the people into worshiping false gods, idols and statues of false gods. Man, God hates that. He detests that. They corrupt the people, and then the people themselves become corrupt, and they become guilty of their sin. So it's not something we Christians consider very much that the Lord we confess to follow, Jesus Christ, descended from even these corrupt kings. He came from them, such as Solomon was a corrupt king, Basha was a corrupt king, Omri was a corrupt king, and many others. They were supposed to be good shepherds and rule with righteousness and unite hundreds of thousands of people to love and serve the Lord in true unity. But they faltered. Think about how difficult that would be to, today in any nation, let alone ours. Think about how difficult it would be for one person to shepherd hundreds of millions of people into one united fold. It's mind-boggling. You know, we pray all the time, every Sunday, for good leaders and good government who will lead us with justice, righteousness, and peace, right? And yet there continue to be so many problems. I don't know, maybe if we didn't pray, things would be a lot worse. I've read the articles, and even some of you have told me you believe America should be a Christian nation with Christian leaders from the president on down. And our laws should reflect biblical values. Well, we have a Christian president now. And so was the one before him. And 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 so on. I mean, in my lifetime, I, don't, I can't remember an atheist president, can you? Who? Chester Arthur? I mean, come on. I, I, I can't think of one. They, all had, they were all Christians in name, right, Leo? But we don't know their faith. But what I'm saying is none of them were professed atheists. Now, granted, not all of our presidents have exactly been students of the Bible. We're not perfect students of the Bible either. And none of them have been Lutheran. Nevertheless, be careful what you believe or what you wish for, even pray for in this regard. Martin Luther lived under this in Germany in his day. The Holy Roman Empire was a Christian empire ruled by an emperor and princes. And we know how that all went down, don't we? It crashed and burned in flames. It was overly corrupt, spiritually and politically, and eventually folded. Luther is on record for warning Christians against theocratic government, saying, you mix the gospel with government, and the devil will get into the mix and turn it into a noxious brew. John Calvin, you know, the founder of the Presbyterians, 
Calvin found that out when he was asked by the people of Geneva, Switzerland, to set up a Christian government there. And it resulted in people being arm-twisted into living righteous lives according to the Bible. And nary a person in the whole city was willing to put up with that. So they kicked him out. England's tried it, and it resulted in a civil war. Now, I know the sentiment. We want good and righteous people to lead us, not tyrants and thugs. And with Christian leaders, the hope is you're, gonna get, you're not going to get tyrants and thugs, right? It, it, only, it only follows. But as I mentioned earlier, Israel's kings in the Bible show us God's expectations and what happens when sin gets in the way of good shepherding. In short, man messes things up, no matter how hard he tries to be righteous and good. Speaking of descendants and generations, I'm related to the worst president of the United States. Did you know that? My seventh great uncle is President James Buchanan, the lowest ranked president in the history of this nation, not because of what he did, but because of what he failed to do. He was a do-nothing president. And he failed to stop the Civil War from breaking out. That's what he's mostly known for. <laughs> but I'm not comparing presidents to kings of Israel. Let's remember, Israel, in those days of the kings, served a purpose for God. Israel was to be a light to the nations of the world and point people to the one God of truth, the Lord, Yahweh, right? The great I Am. And that purpose faltered many times because of sin in some bad kings. But Israel's purpose was eventually fulfilled by one final and utterly perfect king, which has already been said to you, <laughs> spoiler alert, Jesus Christ, right? And you and I need that king, Jesus. We need him because we too can scatter like sheep. Some of us already have and been brought back by the good shepherd's voice. Some of us, sadly, will scatter one day, and hopefully also will be brought back into the fold by the good shepherd. You know and hear about the sheep and the shepherds in the church all the time, right? And if you're not a sheep farmer or have nothing to do with the sheep, you might get the picture, but like me, you know, it, it doesn't really hit home until you see it with your own eyes, what the scriptures are talking about with sheep, right? Heading down the highway from Jerusalem into Galilee, you know, you pass through miles of open, undeveloped hill country. You know, just as it was two, three, even 4,000 years ago. And as we're heading down in the bus, you know, I look out the left window of the bus and a young boy, I see a young boy chasing his sheep out in the middle of nowhere. This kid, eight years old, chasing sheep down the hill with a stick, waving a stick at him. The sheep are going everywhere. It looked like he was trying to get him back together. Now, he might have been wearing blue jeans and a T-shirt, but he was doing what others have done before him for two, three, four millennia or more. The Bible is true in what it says about we humans being just like sheep who scatter and go our own way and do our own thing. 
You know, this is something we usually focus on on Good Shepherd Sunday when the gospel reading is from John, where Jesus says, you know, he is the good shepherd and the sheep hear my voice and all that. But you take any of these readings from the Old Testament regarding the kings and the prophecies against them from God, and they serve the same purpose because we need a king, a righteous king. And thanks be to God, he has given us one in his son, Jesus. Whatever you and I have done or will do in which we go astray and live lives of unrighteousness, God keeps his promises to you. He restored his people Israel then, and he restores you now. And in the fullness of time, he will gather all his sheep, all his people, that is, all believers, and take us to live forever on a on a new earth where there will only be one king. There won't be any need for nations and borders and governments and elections, thank God, and all the controversy that comes with these things because of sin. God has given you and me a righteous king who unites all people together, all his people like a shepherd unites his sheep. Jesus is anything but a self-serving king. I mean, what did he wear? Bling? What did he eat? Fancy roast turkey on silver platters? Where did he live? A palace? Well, he lives in heaven now, that's for sure. But when he was walking the earth for 30-something years, he had no place to call home. Even his hometown kicked him out. He, he came not to be served, but to serve you and me. This good king and shepherd laid down his life for you, that all of your sins be washed away, taken away, and not counted against you when you are judged on the last day of this earth. You and I will be judged righteous, as he is righteous. This is, of course, unless you're an imposter. And if you are an imposter, you know you are, and you're only here for whatever. Make mom, make mom happy until she dies. Believe the gospel. Believe in Jesus Christ and receive the unbelievable mercy and compassion of God. If not, then here's a warning. The last day of this world when Jesus returns will be the first day of never-ending terror for you. Not on account of God, but your own damn fault. Wake up, you dumb sheep, and let the good shepherd bring you back into the fold. Follow his paths like the rest of us. It's not always easy, and life is still hard, but the good king's reign is gentle. And his reward is beyond measure. His righteousness has replaced our wickedness. And it can be so for all who hear, listen, and turn to the good shepherd. He'll chase you down too. His spirit roams the land searching for those who would be devoured by the devil, the wolf. But we who have faith enjoy the king's rule now and forevermore. So receive his supper then, 
receive his body and blood in a few minutes for the forgiveness of your sin and strength for the day because we're going to need it for the days ahead. We need a king, and we've got him in Jesus Christ. Look forward to the day of the resurrection when you and I will see our righteous king face to face. Amen.